0: Welcome to another episode of the Streaking the Lawn podcast. Once again, my name is Pearson. Once again, I got Ben and Zach with me. Ben, how are you doing today?
1: Just dandy, Pierce. I'm doing wonderful.
0: So delighted to hear that. And uh, Zach, how are you?
2: I'm fantastic. Our Philadelphia Eagles are heading to the Super Bowl. If we're changing up the order, then I have to be the one to bring up I'm the gonna... Eagles.
0: I'm going to do this podcast by myself from now on. Yeah. All right. It's the, the Pierce show. Da-da, da-da, da-da. I'm just <laughs> talking to myself. No, we're here to talk about the Who's, of course, and not the Eagles, who managed to beat the 49ers fourth string hurt quarterback. Congrats. Big
2: Hey, we knocked out the other two. Out wow. oh, the oh, my World goodness. Pierce.
0: Yeah. What an accomplisher you're gonna lose by 20. All right. Um da-da-da. speaking of football, it was uh signing day for uh the the college football. And uh, your Virginia Cavaliers have the thirteenth best-rated class uh, in the conference, so we're not last. We're not. Did you, have you guys looked? Do you want to guess who's the? Don't look. Stop looking. Who who's the worst-rated recruiting class? Oh God! In the uh, ACC, like if you're overthinking it. Just guess. Georgia Tech. No, Virginia. There, no virginia's 13th tech no syracuse oh <laughs> um, yeah i guess all okay. <laughs> right um uh, you know not not a ton to say about the the class uh, i guess we could have had paul on to tell us about him but uh, certainly the most exciting uh commit is that of cameron robinson Uh, from Tappahannock Virginia it's nice to see one of the better in-state players come to UVA something that we don't actually get to celebrate under much under the previous regime at least Um, so he's he's the highest rated recruit he's a guy who I know how to offer list uh, that uh, speaks to his ability more than his sort of uh, four-star high three-star rating so good there keeping some top talent home but um you know once we especially get
2: this... especially after fsu pushed him so hard i mean after yeah, his exactly. verbal to virginia he was still going on he still went on a visit to fsu and a couple other schools and i think everybody was assuming that he was going to flip on signing day and mm-hmm. didn't and i mean you look at like it's different coaching staffs but like uva's had sort of a like star linebacker going back a little ways you look at guys like nick jackson mm-hmm. like Kaiser guys like that, it's nice that you have something like that coming in at the very least. Um, and I think you know there was a story on twenty four seven that was like talking about how UVA's class is better than it's rated. Um, obviously, <laughs> that's what you want to think, you know. And 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 I, I didn't take the time to go through that uh, in depthly because you know I have classes and other things to do. Oh, but wow. uh, uh, I
0: no, I'm sure this Mr. Study Buddy over here is you get from this
1: underrated. Wow.
2: Class. <laughs> yeah. this is your job I think that, yeah well it's basketball season so it, it's <laughs> that, that is my approach to things um, I don't know like they got some good ranchers coming in it's tough to I know we haven't mentioned this on the podcast yet it's tough to lose yeah. Um I think hiring Mims from inside of uh, the staff or you know like the inside Higher promotion thing um is probably just a sign of the fact that Higgins left in late January and like it's kind of hard to make coaching hires after early signing day and near um signing day so you know I think there's no reason to think that he could not be successful in that role you know he's young he has experience he's you know he was a very good wide receiver um when he was coached by Tony Elliott at uh Furman I believe it was so you know Got to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, chance to prove himself. But losing Hagen's is tough, and replacing him with someone who doesn't have power five positional coaching experience is not particularly, you know, that's not great. Um, But that does that doesn't go to say that you know Mint could rise to the challenge. There's
0: something to be said for avoiding just like retreads, you know. Yeah, uh, like or uh,
2: names uh, that could potentially be very damaging, like what we were hearing (laughs) with certain people that have you know criminal allegations and whatnot. So. You know, could be worse.
0: <laughs> Virginia, Virginia football. football could be worse. Um, I mean, I think the biggest question mark is uh, the bodies on the offensive line is yep. still a huge issue and something that still potentially could be addressed, but um not likely to the, you know point that it needs to be addressed. So that's going to continue to be a talking point for us. Uh, they yeah. do start spring practice uh, coming up um, fairly soon. I know the details of spring football. Uh, game and open practices and stuff is coming out so we'll have more to talk about um, throughout the spring i don't mean to talk for everyone speak for everyone at streaking line but i think the official blog stance uh of course is uh, big congrats to marcus Higgins. Uh we'll, we'll miss coach Hagan's being a part of the UBA program for sure but uh, i'm super happy for him. um seems like an amazing uh, opportunity to join poindexer at penn state and um a good you know, uh, a good thing to to jump on, um, for the guy who is you know obviously a big part of Virginia football history and been a, bit, a part of many staffs here uh, on grounds. Yeah. So, um, good for him to, you know, move on to the next chapter and hopefully succeed there. And who knows, maybe he'll come back uh, and <laughs> lead the Wahoos someday. Um, but let's talk basketball, uh, because we've got more wins to talk about. The the team has not lost since the pit game on the road yeah and uh it's quite the impressive streak considering everybody else around them keeps losing in the, the acc and certainly the top 10 nationally besides purdue uh so we can talk about that of course how, how they look uh in the context nationally and, and across the conference but let's talk a little bit first specifically about these two games against boston college and syracuse Uh, Boston College was a a relatively comfortable win, I think, outside of watching uh, their big man post do some pretty remarkable stuff uh, in, in, in his scoring output. Um, you know the who's tried a bunch of different ways to various levels of success to uh quiet his night um but at the you know end of the day it didn't matter he he wasn't going to beat UBA uh, single-handedly and he did not so uh, relatively comfortable win uh for the whos but then they went to whatever they're calling the carrier Dome these days and uh eked out a pretty close win I think fair to say five point win uh, against Syracuse who, as we know, can give UVA fits, um, but Syracuse just looked bad. You know, they they were hitting a lot early, but I wasn't particularly impressed with Syracuse's performance, other than you know making the shots that they needed to make to stay in the game with UVA. But I feel like uh, it, I wasn't I wasn't like worried that they were going to drop this one, even though. The lead bounced back and forth, then or, or never really got into like a comfortable distance for uba So, talked about a lot. Whichever game you want to start with, Ben, uh, share share some thoughts with us.
1: Yeah. So I guess I'll start with Boston College because it happened first. uh There's not quite as much to take away from this because Boston College is just not a good basketball team, um even though you might think they are, given that they defeated Clemson, our current ACC <laughs> leader, uh, but I. Like, this was a game that just felt like the Hoos were going to pull away the whole time. Uh, Quinton Post had a ridiculous run where he scored, like, 14 points in three or four minutes at the beginning of the game. They were kind of hanging around. I think they had a 21-17 lead at one point uh, about halfway through the first half. And then after that, things settled down. Uh, Boston College sort of never really got an offensive rhythm. They kept turning it over, not in like a uh, Reese Beekman or Hay Clark makes a really good play sort of turnover way, but just throwing <laughs> it out of bounds, doing yeah, things that, yeah. that basketball teams do. It <laughs> was a lot and, of that. Yeah. Once everything kind of settled down and post went from being like the best player to play basketball in JPJ this year for three minutes to just a normal, decent player on a bad team, Virginia had that one pretty well in hand. And then with the Syracuse game, uh, I actually, I thought Syracuse looked better than they did the first time we played them. Specifically, Judah Mintz and Jesse Edwards uh, stepped up. Uh, Gerard actually shot them out of it a little bit because that dude loves his mid-range off the dribble jump shot. He he shoots like almost what I imagine Isaac McNeely with a super green light would do, just stepping in, letting it fly over whoever he wants to. But uh, Virginia... uh, as you said, like, it never really felt like they were in great danger of losing that game, despite Syracuse hanging around the whole time, despite Mince and Edwards kind of cooking them inside, specifically Edwards on Ben Vanderplass, just kind of scoring out yeah. Will for stretches. But uh, it always felt like a game Virginia was going to win. Uh, they handled the zone very well, I thought. There are some clips going around Twitter of the ball movement, the mm-hmm. passing, uh, which is something that Virginia fans are very familiar with. This team leads the nation in assist-to-turnover ratio. They're obviously very good at moving the ball. Some excellent guard play, excellent playmakers. And down the stretch, uh, they just pulled away, which is what good teams do. They're 9-2 and two in the ACC. They've actually lost their two one-possession games. They're undefeated in games decided by more than one possession. Hmm. And, I mean, this is a good team
0: yeah I think maybe the the reason it felt sort of comfortable was they they found that three point shot enough um, to you know do the usual beating of the zone you know obviously <laughs> like you're saying that ball movement in and out of the paint. Um, but they shot pretty poorly from three against Boston College uh, but improved to 42 percent hitting nine of them nine out of 21. Uh, and two of those were Armand Franklin in the second half, like near back to back plays. Um, they, I, I think sort of solidified like okay Virginia was probably going to keep this at arm's length even though it wasn't like a comfortable lead uh, but it do enough that, that Syracuse wasn't going to come back and that sort of just seemed to be the mood uh, as far as uh, UVA fans I think had uh, watching that second half so uh, Zach what, uh, what takeaways would you like to share off the bat?
2: I think uh, Syracuse, the defense, just kind of low-key In the first half, not low-key. It was pretty obvious. Um, mm-hmm. Just the guards were getting beat downhill, like, specifically by Mints. He was shooting over recent Um, Kihei. And then there just really wasn't anything that they could find to stop Edwards down low. And I think that probably the biggest question mark for this team moving forward is how they're going to guard the post. Um, if Caden Cheddarick, you know, is gonna foul as much as he's been fouling and and whatnot. Um and so I think that like that is and, and sort of the that's sort of the takeaway for me from these two games that's on the sort of the negative side. Like there's a lot of good things that happened in these games. They also were supposed to win both of them. So, like, you know, good wins, tough road win against Syracuse, they handled Boston College. They they did what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that weakness is sort of like. Uh, What's going on with the post defense coming to the fore as much as it did against Quinton Post and Jesse Edwards is a little bit concerning considering that you still have to play P.J. Hall, Kyle Filipowski, Armando Baycott. Um, And so it's kind of just like, man, like Clemson draws the most fouls in the ACC. Like that's really the only thing that they have going for themselves offensively. Um, Their fourth worst in ACC play in offensive rating uh, on Ken Palm only – Boston College, Notre Dame, and Louisville are worse, so not a great group to be in. But like, they can draw fouls, and if Kane Chedric is going to be on the floor against PJ Hall, gonna gonna draw fouls. And so, yeah. sort of like, how do they answer that question moving forward? um Is sort of my like pessimistic view of like, is this possible? Like, are they just going to get killed by these teams? And then all of a sudden, Caleb Love and RJ Davis are going to take UVA off the bounce Obviously, that's UNC, not Clemson, but still. Um, <laughs> If, if the post defense isn't working and it is getting exploited and then all of a sudden the guards have to, you know, sort of drop farther in and then they're going to get beat when they try to close out to the paint, then that's how you can get this UVA defense to really struggle. And that's how you can beat this team. Um, that being said, like they overcame those issues. They found ways they, there was good defense in the second half from Gardner and Vanderplass, especially, um, that last possession or not last possession, but the possession for before Jaden hit that sort of fall away two point, uh, jumper, uh, it was really good defense because Edwards was sort of facing up. Gardner had him one-on-one in the post, and then BVP was sort of hedging to come double, at least enough that it made sort of Edwards pause and think and allowed Gardner to get his feet set, shuffle well, and then draw the charge. So I was really impressed by those two late in the game, and I thought that that was a positive sign. Um, but I think that sort of like how they're going to guard the post moving forward is is probably um, a big determining factor in if they're going to win the ACC or not.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's something we talked about before um, these two games is how well small ball was working, but what was it going to look like when they needed to go bigger in the pain against, you know, the particular matchups. And we saw a lot of positives uh, in addition to some questions uh, still yet to to be answered. And what I mean is I thought uh, Caden played, pretty well uh it's, it's maybe more so against boston college and syracuse but honestly he looked good in both games when he was on the floor except for these whistles and you know i'm not trying to put it all on the refs or anything like that like you know he it, he is fouling but it seems like he's got a little bit of that jason kane like they just see him do something and they assume foul you know, Jack Salt was like that too. And for obvious reasons, you know, like uh, I, I don't know what's going on. Like it, it's, it's like, is he developing a reputation or, or uh, because he's not out there starting the game, they don't know how to adjust. I, I, I don't know. I've never roughed a game before, but it's, it's perplexing to me, Ben. Uh, what do you, what do you see from Shedrick and uh, wh- how much other the, who's going to need him going forward?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it really is just frustrating. Uh, I think that's the best way to describe it, because you can see the good things that Shedrick offers, I think, against Syracuse. You saw Kihei Clark picking him out for lobs a few times. You see the threat he creates around the rim, the sort of pressure he puts on defenses when he's in the paint, because he is such a good finisher around the basket. And then defensively, uh, obviously a bit of a mixed bag in that he's hyper-aggressive uh, going for blocks, which mm-hmm. leads to a lot of blocks, also leads to a lot of offensive rebounds, leads to a lot of fouls, leads to him having his lowest defensive rebound rate in a Virginia Cavaliers uniform by a significant margin this year. Um, but at the end of the day, the fouling problem has become so severe that it almost outweighs everything else Shedrick is doing on the court. Uh, against Syracuse, he had three fouls in 11 minutes. Uh, He's up to 5.38 fouls per um, 40 minutes, which ranks 94th out of 94 qualifying players in the ACC. Uh, He and DJ Burns of NC State are actually almost a full foul worse per 40 minutes than everyone else in the conference. Uh, He is by far the worst in the ACC in terms of committing these dumb fouls. And it's so hard because you can see what, uh, Kaden Shedrick playing confidently and playing around the rim brings to this team. And if Virginia does end up facing these teams with elite post threats, guys like Armando Baycott or looking ahead to the tournament, a guy like Zach E on the best team in college basketball. These guys are not going to be able to be defended by this Ben Vanderplas, Ryan Dunn, Jaden Gardner combination of dudes. They're just too big. And so you're going to need Kaden Shedrick to go out there and do what he does best, which is be tall and be athletic in the post. But if he's going to keep fouling at the rate he has been recently, it's just not viable to have him on the court, which is going to hurt the who's going forward. They need him to figure this out and be at least able to stay on the court. I don't know if that means playing more conservatively or what, but he's no use to the team if he's committing fouls at the rate that he is right now. And it's so hard because it outweighs all the other good things that we know Shendrick can bring.
0: Yeah, I think – You know, when Virginia wins basketball national titles, there tends to be, uh, you know, over over the history of that, there tends to be (laughs) uh, a certain guy's game. You know, it it was the Kihei game. It was the tie game. It was et cetera. We're going to have the Cafaro game. I'm, I'm calling it right now. National title Cafaro game coming up. Stay tuned in March and April. Uh, but Afro
2: against Purdue, just like
0: tw- yeah, 12 and 10. Like shuts down Zach blocks,
2: just, Everyone's losing their
0: minds. It's gonna be great, folks. It's gonna be great. Um, all right, Zach. So, what else to talk to you as far as like the personnel? Uh, in UVA, what what have we seen uh, a little bit of growth in or maybe lack thereof?
2: I think the experience is showing, uh, to, to great degrees at this point, just sort of with a road, tough road win, like. You have Clark, you have Beekman in the backcourt. I mean, they combined for seven turnovers against Syracuse, but some of that is just like against the Syracuse zone. You have to try and make passes against with how lengthy they are, especially this year. You just have to make passes that like are going to get picked sometimes. Um, and so, I think having KJ Clark can go twelve uh, points, ten assists. Like, like they have these guys, and, and we talked about it at length. But, but this backcourt. Um, is there. And, and this backcourt is playing as well as it needs to. Armand Franklin continues to hit clutch shots. Uh, um, he had two threes in the last five minutes. I think against Syracuse to pull them from down three to up three. Ben Vanderplas with that, like, huge offensive rebound, he crowd sort of, like, the, the bouncing ball by establishing yeah. himself inbounds and then finding Kihei, who hits a clutch three. These guys have been in these situations. They know how to play the game when it's close. And I think that while UVA hasn't played, like, a top, top, or a top tier ACC team necessarily over the stretch of wins, especially if yeah. you, with North Carolina having Baycott out, that sort of, you know, de- you know disqualifies them from that. Um, but I still think that like the, this value of, of having these guys, having three super seniors um, plus, you know, Armand Franklin, having these guys is very valuable and it's, and, and and plus Reese, who's, you know, basically a super senior himself with how much, how many minutes he's played in his career. Um is great and you're still seeing McNeely and Dunn come on and, and, and sort of like there we talked about for a while like how are these two guys going to develop over the season to be the sort of rotational contributors that we want them think and think that they can be and, and we're seeing it like Ryan Dunn is consistently getting minutes in a game-to-game basis now um we've seen Jane Gardner sort of answer the call of of not being great for a little while and sort of getting pushed out by Dunn um you know it's seventeen. 17- against Syracuse 18 against Boston college hitting from the mid range has been huge yep. for this offense. Like he's just, he's money right now. And if you can keep that going for the next nine games of ACC play, he is going to be hard to beat because he just creates easy, easy offense where if there's just space in the middle of the floor, he's going to exploit it. Um, and you're, you're, you know, Isaac hitting shots as he has been for a while now Dunn is making that one or two, you know, ridiculous athletic play that, that sort of, you <laughs> know, keeping getting him on the floor and, and keeping him on it. Um, really, like the only disappointment has been Caden. And I don't mean to say that like he can't get out of it or that you know he's I, I don't mean to crap on the guy because he's a very good player. Um, but but you know, I mean he's a very good player when he's not fouling. And I, this we've said this. We've but
0: certainly seen some we've very seen strong flashes. performances from mm-hmm. him, and, yeah. right.
2: And so I think that like the personnel is performing just about as well as you could ask for otherwise um and uva has been smart with its offensive scheme like they've been doing good things they've been finding ways they've started to get isaac McNeely, and we had a great story um on, go up on the site from brian gessinger today um, on sort of some of the uh at, after timeouts and out of bounds plays that uva runs to get individual guys shots um and you know they're sharing use isaac McNeely kind of like they used Kyle guy and Joe Harris they're, they're finding ways to get these guys shots. Uh-huh. Um, and this offense is blossoming as a result. And I think we're at this point where like we, for a while, we we're talking about the team's shooting ability. It's like sort of come and go like, yeah, they might be 51st in the country in three point shooting, but it's kind of game to game. They're going three for 17, as much as they're going, you know, 10 for 17. Um, you know, but at this point in the season, they're 14th in the country in three-point shooting at 38.5 yeah. percent. That has solidified with Franklin and, and McNeely and then yeah. Clark, um, Beekman and Vanderplas is 35 point like three percent in conference play, which is exactly what you need from him on on still high volume. So that you know everything is really clicking for this team uh, outside of of sort of that that post defense and and trying to find that that true center.
0: Yeah, and I, I think we spent a lot of time at the beginning of the year talking about who was going to step up to be the scorer and how that might cycle. You know, they're, they're not all the most consistent shooters in the world, so maybe you find the hot hand between McNeely or Franklin or Reese, etc., and what we've seen in this stretch of wins is the answer, hopefully, is they're all pretty consistent at getting a few here and there each game. So Armand's more of the volume shooter, and sometimes he's really on, and then you're like, watch out. But even when he isn't dialed into a you know 50% uh, shooting clip, he still can shoot a 30%, 33%, and buoy you know, some other makes from McNeely, from Reese, from Kihei, who seems to be perfectly good to hit an open three when uh when when it's in front of him in a game it seems like he has a couple of those each game where he's just they've lost kihei and he's wide open um, and converts so if each of these guys is able to keep that you know 40 percent shooting uh stretch from three point and they do it all together then it's going to be consistent success um, I say all that and it wasn't really consistent against Boston college. So obviously it's not, not a flawless strategy, but Ben, I mean, does is, is that sound, sound about right as far as like going forward, what we're looking for from him?
1: Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Uh, I think just with the team in general, uh, it's not just a Armon Franklin thing. Like that's a great example, obviously of how this team has improved from last year, uh, mm-hmm. from a team who could have highs and lows to a team whose lows are now also pretty high a team that can weather the storm against boston college and not really shoot the ball well at all and still have a pretty comfortable 20 point victory and it's just encouraging uh obviously as zach alluded to earlier none of these wins in this big winning streak have been over teams that you would consider elite college basketball teams their best win is probably unc and that was with no Armando Baycott for the first or they only had Baycott for the first two minutes of the game Mm. Um, which you know it's fair to say that Virginia hasn't had those marquee wins since early in the season over Baylor and Illinois but at the same time they just keep winning and at the end of the day that's kind of all you can do these Boston College Syracuse games at the end of the day are kind of just ho-hum I mean this (laughs) is what a good team should do. Mm-hmm. And Virginia continues to prove that they're a good team. How good they are, not sure, but they certainly look like perhaps the cream of the crop in the ACC right now.
0: Yeah, and you know, like you mentioned earlier, Clemson uh, helped you guys in your joint skepticism of the Clemson Tigers out uh, by losing last night. Uh, so we can get into to some of this ACC talk. Uh, you've both mentioned that the recent stretch, while it's great to have a winning streak hasn't included maybe any of the upper echelon teams outside of that. If we even count UNC as upper echelon, I think they are certainly upper echelon when Baycott's healthy and playing for them. Uh, to me, you know, the, the most stressful game and and the one where you know, this is sort of like a trendy pick and maybe UVA drops this one on the road was the wake game. And Wake Forest has followed up that loss to Virginia with three straight losses after that to Pitt, NC State, and Duke, all of whom are fine teams, of course. So, you know, it's not like they're losing uh, to Louisville uh, like you did, Georgia Tech. But nonetheless, it's hard to factor in all of the ups and downs of all of these ACC teams to really figure out who's up there with Virginia uh, as far as the title goes. I mean, obviously, Virginia probably has the driver's seat now towards the ACC regular season title. There's a lot to be played, of course. Of course, we know. But looking ahead at the conference tournament, looking ahead at, you know, seeding uh, in, in in the big tournament in March, like, has anyone impressed you, uh, Zach? I don't, I don't know.
2: what. I mean, Pitt keeps winning games. Yeah. Um, I give him credit. Like, they beat UNC that was at UNC last night. Um, and so, I mean, they they beat UNC. They just beat Miami before that, beat Wake. They did lose to Florida State at home. So, like, Ugh. you know, I, I think the ACC is sort of a collection of a couple of teams where it's like, okay, they have a lot of talent. When are they going to put it together? Which is probably, like, Duke, UNC, and I guess Miami. And then a lot of teams where you're like, okay, they're not great. They're probably in reality bubble teams in like bubble NCAA tournament teams and would be middle of the pack in any of the other top conferences, but they keep beating up on bad competition um, and then get a couple of like good quality wins against these teams that haven't figured it out yet. So that's Pitt, that's Clemson. um, Pulling up the ECC standings to see if there's anybody else that I'm thinking of here. Um, You could say Wake in there, NC State maybe a little bit of like a tweener Um, between those two categories. Um, And so I think, but like, I think UVA has to be the favorite. And listen, they go to Virginia Tech um, on Saturday and that could very well be a loss. And all of a sudden they're tied with Clemson for second in the league and and things get a little bit sweatier. Um, But I think that still Virginia has a very good, if not great chance at getting that one seed for Greensboro. This next three game stretch is huge. Um, Mm -hmm. Playing Tech on the road is going to be tough they're a better team than their record indicates we know that um and then nc state and duke at home like it, you go three 0 here and that's massive you know all, yeah. all of a sudden we're very i think confident in, in uva winning um the conference because then you go to Louisville, notre dame and we've talked about this but then you go to Louisville, notre dame boston college then north carolina clemson at home or no north carolina on the road which could be a loss but all of a sudden these next three games are just huge and, and going two and one is okay um, you're still going to be alive there because you still get to play Clemson. Um, but I think that UVA has to be the most talented team.
0: You go one and, and, and the... two, and it's still very much in play. Like, not... Oh,
2: absolutely. And, and they're in a great position. Um, mm-hmm. But I just think like there's nobody else in the ACC that's put it together like Virginia has with the talent that Virginia has. And so I think that that's sort of like where all this optimism comes from.
0: Yeah, it sort of makes what Purdue's doing all the more remarkable, like, the, you know, the Big Ten, probably a little bit better than the acc but the fact that they just haven't stumbled other than a buzzer beater i think is their one loss i don't know watching purdue it's like yeah they're good they have they have the guy who's probably going to win the you know the wooden award etc but they're not you know it's not like a team of all americans you know you're not just like whoa every time purdue plays it's just their consistent Results of of being W's across the Big Ten is something that we're not seeing replicated well by anyone else, and certainly not anyone in the ACC. So, Ben, uh, you know, there's nine conference games left, right? Like it's still mathematically possible that Virginia finishes under 500, right? Obviously, they're not going to, but I'm just saying there's a ton to play. So, we're not necessarily pencil or writing in pen anything uh, for Greensboro, but who do, who who do you think is going to challenge UVA down the road? And uh, because they haven't had necessarily the top top teams in this winning streak, who gives you the most pause looking
1: forward? Well, not Clemson. Definitely <laughs> Clemson. I
2: will say Clemson can be maybe a tough matchup with their front court because <laughs> yeah, you sure. have PJ Hall and Hunter Tyson, and it's like. Okay, that that, like UVA could get into foul trouble and be in a tough spot. Still, though, that's at home. Clemson can't score the ball if they're not getting fouled. So, sorry, back to back.
1: Yeah, well, I guess (laughs) just in the long run, as like threats to UVA, Clemson is not up there despite their uh, 10 and 2 record. Uh, Sterling, uh, even more Sterling before they got killed by Boston College, which is embarrassing. Um, But (laughs) Okay, Clemson stinks. <laughs>
0: um, but, but, all right, Eric, before you move fine. on, though, but, like, let's look at Clemson's remaining games. So they do have Miami at home, could be an L. They go to UNC. Could those are both going to be L's. Be L. Those are
2: both going to be lost. They host gonna lose FSU.
0: They're at Louisville. They host Syracuse. They're going to lose that
2: one. Louisville on a winning streak.
0: They go to NC State, Virginia, and then close with Notre Dame. So, they, I mean, yeah, there are a couple L's in there, hopefully before they even come to charlottesville but they only have like they're right there in number of losses right like you know virginia only has the wiggle room that virginia is going to get if they win their tough games too so uh, the, I, I know this all makes sense what i'm saying it's all obvious i'm not yeah
2: i light think on anything. clemson's
1: record is what makes them a threat more so than their like level as a team and Virginia can obviously do a long way in mitigating that by beating Clemson when they come and play at Virginia and obviously if Clemson wins at Virginia they're probably pretty deserving of being at least ACC co-champions which that would pretty much lock them into finishing uh but in terms of teams that I guess looking ahead to the ACC tournament or just teams that scare you Mm -hmm. in the ACC I think for me Pitt given what they did to Virginia and given the way they've been playing recently, it's hard to like buy into a team that came into the season with such low expectations and so many questions, but I mean, they have a body of work. They've proven that they're a pretty good basketball team and we've seen them beat Virginia pretty bad before. Uh, That being said uh, that game, Virginia absolutely should have won. And I think if it's being played at say an ACC tournament, neutral site, you don't get that stadium rocking at Pitt, which I think fueled a lot of that comeback, but Pitt's a contender for sure. Duke and UNC are Mm -hmm. always at least lingering in the back of your mind just because of how much talent they have. And even though they've done nothing to prove that they can really use that talent, at least this season, I mean, UNC last season showed that they could basically be middling for the entire season and then just turn it on when the playoffs (laughs) came around and make it all the way to the NCAA championship. But those are two, I guess, sort of sleeping giants. Uh, Miami, too, is a team that should be better than they are right now and I think would scare me in a one-off more than some of these teams. Uh, Wake Forest. Wake Forest is good. They hung in there against Virginia. They've had a rough run recently. They've lost three straight games by two points, which is pretty brutal. But, I mean, in – on a neutral site, I think Virginia can beat every team in the ACC. Like, I think they are pretty clearly a tier above right now. Obviously, that can change. Virginia might drop some of these upcoming games. Some other teams might pick up some steam. But I think right now they're the clear-cut favorite, as they should be. They have the best body of work, and they're playing the best basketball in the ACC right now.
0: That's very true, very true. I mean, this castle trip uh, against the Hokies is no gimme, despite the Hokies terrible record uh, you know they just beat duke uh, when they hosted duke um you know uh, virginia's doing a good job at least at going a game at a time and, and racking up wins so i'm sure they're focused on on this rival rivalry game i know the uh the, the computers uh metrics predict who's to win but zach what do you see in this particular matchup with hunter couture now back and more healthy more in rhythm hopefully for the Hokies than he was when they visited charlottesville with them recently
2: yeah i mean i think if uva's backcourt shuts or guards virginia tech's backcourt like it did in that game in charlottesville i think that this is a virginia win pretty clearly just because like yay clark um gave pedula fits and reese you know contained uh couture to the best of his abilities so i think that's probably where you look first um you know i'm just pulling up the stats from last Mm -hmm. time like uh couture was three for six from three one for two from two for uh 11 points like he had a solid game but also like reese made everything difficult and made getting shots off um a struggle and you know, meanwhile, Padilla's four for nine, two turnovers. I think that, like, if you can contain those two guys, then you can make life easier um, for yourself. I think they did well against Justin Mutz. Just they, they didn't let anybody kill them in that game, essentially. And then the offense was good enough. Um, you're hoping that you can live with Ben Vanderplass at the five for 33 minutes in this game, True, I think. Yeah. I, I think that that's sort of like you're assuming that you're able to do that and that. um, and that you can keep this offense sort of in its inside triangle look and just hit shots uh to the same degree. I mean, they were only eight for twenty-three for 34% against tech. Um so they got a lot of things inside and were able to sort of penetrate. Um, and so I think that like if they shoot a little bit better and Clark and Beekman contain Virginia Tech's backcourt, I think that this is a UVA win. Could tech get hot, could could go six for eight and, and light right. him up and and you know, we're talking about a different thing. Absolutely. Um, but I do think that like the matchups do just favor UVA considering how good they are in the backcourt, um, and how tech really probably can't expose UVA's problems in the post unless um Basile, is that how you say his name? Um, unless he goes off. Uh, but I think that Bennett is a is a good matchup for him, yeah. fortunately.
0: I think even if Virginia Tech does have a good night shooting, the Hoos should be able to, to face that well enough with their own shooting. It's the classic Virginia shoots twenty percent from three and keeps taking them and not making them, um, despite you know having nothing to do with like Virginia Tech's defense because I don't see that being like a huge um, mitigating factor on the their shooting ability. We've just seen some nights the Hoos are cold, and so this. This it would it would require that for Virginia Tech to say the game, in my opinion. But uh Ben, what do you think?
1: I think it's gonna be a close game. I think that should be the expectation. Just I think matchups kind of go out the window a little bit, especially when you're playing at Castle, like in that stadium. These two teams game.
0: hate each other. Throw the records out the window in this classic Which, like, rivalry matchup.
1: Like if you remember last year though, when Virginia went to Tech, yeah, I uh, like they clearly got in Kihei Clark, who was one of the most like experienced veteran players in college basketball. They were clearly like getting in his head, chanting the entire game. I don't think I know he didn't make a field goal. I forget he either had zero or one points total. But like playing in an environment like that, it does get played up. But at the same time, it's very real, especially between sure. these two teams and. I think we saw that Virginia can beat them and on paper Virginia should beat them. But it's gonna be close. I'm fairly certain of that. If it's not and Virginia does end up pulling away and winning by like ten, fifteen points, I think that tells us a lot about this team. But hmm. you know, I I'm worried. I'm worried.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. No, I'm worried this too. This
1: game scares me more than Duke at home.
0: Interesting.
2: I think that's fair. Just with how Duke is playing. I think if you can get I, I know Gardner's been playing very well recently, but I think if you could get done on Basili, I think that's how you say his name. I, I keep I don't listen, I don't watch games with the sound on. This is always a problem for me. But um I think if you could play Ryan John at the four extensively, I think that you can you can provide that sort of physicality, strength, and length because he's been going off recently. Um yeah. Over under
0: Ryan Dunn highlight reel dunks at one and a half.
2: Under. Uh, I'm gonna go. It's that's a tough line because like two is saying like oh, that two is a lot of highlight dunks. I'll go yeah. over because I think he's gonna play 25 minutes. There he typically has one for like eight minutes. So All
1: right. Ryan Dunn has more than one dunk in three games this year.
2: Yeah, jeez. Yeah, That's but right. they're recent games. I trust
1: the numbers. Love <laughs> of averages. I Just think
0: I think Ryan Dunk, new to this rivalry, and Ben, as you know, we throw out the numbers when it's a rivalry <laughs> game. He's come down from Freeport, New York. He's going to learn about Blacksburg firsthand for the first time, and he's going to dunk all over the Hokies.
1: I will also point out that the numbers also have this as a very close game. Uh, Ken Palm has Virginia winning by one. So, this <clears> is by no means a team that Virginia should stomp. Virginia Tech, a team that all the computer predictive models seem to love for some reason. Yeah. I shouldn't say for some reason. I can't be the person <laughs> who's making fun of the predictive models when I love them. And <laughs> think that, the like a few weeks ago, they said Virginia Tech was going to beat Duke. And everyone was like, what the hell? They're one and eight in conference play. They and always they wouldn't beat be Duke. Duke. Yeah. Yeah
2: but well they're only their their only double digit conference loss is to virginia and they didn't have couture for that like entire stretch before that you know they lost to Clemson by one on the road which at home is a 10 point win against clemson so like i think (laughs) i think this is all because if it was at jpj again i would be predicting a virginia win by 10 again but yeah no this all comes down to environment and uh I still think UVA wins. I think UVA wins by like four, similar to the the Syracuse game, just because I think that the team is better. And I think that they know what they're doing and they know, yeah, it's the rivalry cliche. Like they know what Tech does, but I just think that like Virginia, this Virginia team defensively is well-suited to handle what Tech is going to throw at them.
0: Well, and it will be cold outside, but heating up inside as well too. So (laughs) I mean like Tyson Tate make fun of that one too much, so now I'm just stealing their their cynicism. Uh what about the uh the wolf pack coming to town? Our old friend, Casey Morcel. That might scare back.
2: me the most out of these three, potentially.
0: The Big, big fellow is he's he's pretty pretty solid player. That's gonna be an interesting matchup for the bodies that Virginia's gonna throw at him.
2: Yeah, I mean NC State, like, I think they they have, like, an underrated resume. I mean, they have five losses this year, but that's to Kansas neutral site, Miami on the road, Clemson on the road, UNC on the road, and then I guess the worst loss is Pitt at home um, by eight, but that's back in December 2nd. Mm. So I, I think that, like, you know, they beat Duke um, at home. They don't have a lot of great wins, I guess. They have a lot of bad out-of-conference wins. Um, but I think that that backcourt – Um, can challenge UVA to some degree, like they're athletic, they can hit shots. Um, So I I, I think that this is a tough team. I think it's good that they're playing them at home, though. And I I, I think that if, yeah, this is why this three-game stretch is so critical, because if they beat these three teams, if they can knock NC State and Duke even further down a peg in the ACC standings, then it's going to be hard for other teams to challenge them um, really beyond Clemson and Pitt.
0: I, uh, I don't trust the Wolfpack's uh, composure uh, in the hostile confines of the JPJ. I think Virginia uh, at home is is a much better team than NC State, but that's not a slight against NC State, I think. Like you said, their, their resume is is a strong one. So, Ben, what do you see in this matchup?
1: I like Virginia. Uh, I like Virginia in most of their games going forward though, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm kind of with Zach that NC State is a little bit underrated. Uh, I think they've been pretty good this year. Uh, They very well could have beaten KU in one of their early preseason tournament games. Mm -hmm. I remember watching that and thinking, wow, NC State might be good. Uh, I also think my view of NC State is skewed by the fact that every game I watch them play, I am inextricably drawn to Casey Morcell and the fact that he is shooting 43% from three this year on 125 attempts, which is so unbelievable to me as someone who watched Casey Morcell play for Virginia. But, you know, good for him for turning his career around. And Turqu- Turquavian Smith is a really good player, uh, one of the best guards in the ACC. And, for sure. You know, he can just light it up. And if that happens, Virginia could lose. I don't think that's going to happen. I like Reese. I think Reese is a very good defender. I think Reese can take Turkquavian Smith at least a little bit out of the game. It's also a nice straightforward matchup in the backcourt where you can just stick Kihei on Jarrell Joyner He's small. He's not going to do that much to you. Let Reese take in and sort of live with the results. Um, I do think Virginia is better. NC State is not a great defensive team. Right. And I see Virginia's small ball lineup working pretty well against them. So I think, especially at home, as Pierce mentioned, it's a pretty comfortable win in the end. But I wouldn't be surprised to see NC State come out sort of just blame-throwing and give the who's a little bit of a run for their money almost like that miami game earlier in the year where miami mm-hmm. just came out in the first half just making everything and made a more of a game than it potentially could have been and obviously went on to win that one who's had to mm-hmm. come back but i think all in all they're better than nc state they should win it'd be a disappointment if they didn't
0: and you know state handled virginia pretty easily in raleigh last year so um uh... Obviously, this is a much better UVA team, but we've seen these players, including Casey Morsell, perform well recently uh, against UVA. So, um, Zach, I'm disappointed that you predicted a bunch of losses, but you know that's okay. We've got uh, Ben and I here holding down the
2: optimism, and uh, I, I, I was optimistic about Virginia Tech. I think that they'll, I think here's the thing. I think they're going to go three and zero. Oh. I think they're going to go 3-0. I think we're going to be very excited. I think that I think that Filipowski, how you're going to guard him against Duke is my question. But the rest of Duke's roster doesn't scare me enough in this current iteration with just how they play. Um, ah, That Duke game could be a loss. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But I'm going to say that they're going to go 3-0 here. Um, it's interesting how Ken Palm has the most likely loss to be against Virginia Tech. I guess that makes it just uh, – it's on the road. That's but, how I feel. Uh, it's
1: on the road. I yeah. i think they beat Duke. I think Duke's the easiest game of the three.
2: Yeah. I think they're they are going to go 3-0, and then they're going to stretch this out to be like a – what is this going to be? Like a 13-game win streak before losing to North Carolina on the road and then beating Clemson and Louisville. I think they're going to end this really hot. I think this team is – is is putting things together at the right time if you can get Caden to play 18 minutes a game and not foul four times then like you can you can survive um in the post against these players i told ben this but like put ryan down on kyle felipowski man and just like see what happens for like five minutes just for like you know uh craps and giggles to to avoid (laughs) cursing um
0: you can curse on this podcast yeah not you. Uh, uh, I mean adults can, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Um I think UE is gonna end the season really hot. I think they'll they will lose to somebody who gets hot in the ECC tournament and then oh. that'll keep them as a, like a three seed, maybe it maybe a two seed in, in the NCAA tournament. Um but I, I think, think that I think that they're very they're favored. They have a favorable schedule and, and they're playing well enough right now against some of these more middle age. It's funny.
0: I feel. I feel a little bit uh, the opposite. I feel like they're going to drop some of these regular season games. Like we've said, the competition just sort of is is a little steeper, and they're, you know, going to be due a poor shooting performance here and there. I just
2: think they're I think lucky to win
0: at Greensboro really i think they it's just the rest of the acc is just like and 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 pit ben like you mentioned ages ago Pitt is is in my mind as as the one that could trip them up the most easily in greensboro and is is playing you know just as consistently well almost um i, I think the i think this is another acc title year so
2: really so do they win do you think they win the acc regular
0: That I'm not sure. Just like we were saying about the math and Clemson, I just don't know that Clemson, if Virginia drop, let's say they lose in Blacksburg, we think they're going to lose in Chapel Hill. That's two right there. I mean, it might come down to that game in Charlottesville and the who should be favored, but it also might be a a split kind of thing um, if Clemson uh, doesn't lose the game. I I think
2: Clemson has at least two, maybe three losses still Mm -hmm. on its schedule outside of UVA. Because so I think that they're going to lose to Carolina on the road. NC State on the road, they're going to lose because they, they just can't. You you need to be able to make shots on the road, and they can't make shots. Hit like the shots. like yeah, they have a, the their defense is is number one in the ACC in, in yeah. conference play, but like all, for all the defense travels BS, like you know what's really nice is when Kyle Guy can hit like a you know, corner three with some 6'10 guy in his face who just switched out to him like that. <laughs> that's, like, how you win road games in the ACC is making those tough yeah. shots, and I don't believe in them enough that they're going to be able to do that. Um,
0: yeah, I see where and, you're coming from. I yeah. think
2: if if Clemson does lose that amount, even
0: outside of the UVA game, or particularly outside of the UVA game, then yes, I think I think Virginia yeah. will win the, uh, the regular season. So guess we'll see. I like I said they've got nine conference games left. Like you know, we're going to do this every week yeah the They could go and three in right, the next exactly three and we're right.
2: just back here like yeah.
0: We'll just see, but uh until then stay tuned to the blog uh for the new contributions of our new writer and uh some other uh, of course pregame and post-game for both uh the virginia tech and nc state matchups coming up and we'll be back next week uh talk to you then talk to you too then talk to you listeners then uh until then go hoops